Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. Today's AgCast features a conversation between Federation Ag Council John Allen Nichols and summer intern Taylor Johnston. Our wrap-up today comes from Jacob Davis. I'm excited to be here with Taylor Johnston, our legal intern and the inaugural Faulkner Ag Law Pathway student. Welcome, Taylor. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, Taylor, before we get started today, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up here in Montgomery, Alabama. I graduated from Auburn University in 2019, where I majored in communication and minored in business. Following graduation, I moved to Atlanta, where I worked in digital marketing for a little bit before COVID hit. And after that, I moved back home and decided to go to law school. So I just finished my first year at Jones School of Law at Faulkner. We're excited to have you here this summer, Taylor. Uh, it's been great working with you. Um, so Taylor is actually the first student to participate in what we're calling the Faulkner Ag Law Pathway Program. So this is a joint effort between um, the National Agricultural Law Center, Faulkner Law, uh, the Department of Agriculture and Industries here in Alabama, and the Alabama Farmers Federation. So students actually applied this past spring. It was the first time that they got to apply, and Taylor was selected. So students in the pathway, they get thorough experience with law as it relates to agriculture. Um, they get to intern with us. Uh, they get to complete a research fellowship with the National Agricultural Law Center. Um, they do an externship with the Department of Ag for class credit. Um, and then along the way, they'll take an Ag Law class that Faulkner uh, Law is going to facilitate there at the school um, that will be open to other students as well. And we're excited to see that happening there. So Taylor, what are your thoughts on your uh, internship so far? Yeah, I'm really excited to be the first to be able to participate in the Ag Law pathway. And I think it's a great opportunity to spread knowledge about agriculture and to be able to help make a difference in communities, and especially for Alabama farmers. Um, when I was going into law school, I didn't even know that ag law was a path that I could possibly take. So I'm really thankful that this program was started, and I hope that this will be something that other students are able to get involved in. Um, my internship this summer has allowed me to see firsthand what agriculture really means to Alabama, and it's allowed me to meet so many great people across the state. Being able to apply skills that I've learned in my first year of law school, real-world experiences has been a great chance to expand my knowledge. It's been a fun summer. We got to see Taylor riding her first tractor um, a couple of weeks ago, and so that was, that was fun for all of us. Um, before we transition to the next segment of our podcast, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let me take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Alabama Ag Credit. Let's face it, with our current economy, getting a loan these days can be a rough experience. Throw in the fact that you need the loan for your farm or operation, and it can get even rougher. Most lenders see you as a number, not a person. They're just trying to get you in and out so they can make their quota and move on to the next case number. But that's not Alabama Ag Credit. Alabama Ag Credit gets it. They understand what it means to depend on the land and sustain it for the future. Worrying about this year's crop or next year's herd is a way of life. Alabama Ag Credit understands. They've been around for over a hundred years, and they're not going anywhere. Most of their lenders are farmers, like you, the ones who stay up late and get up early to feed and clothe Alabama, the country, and the world. So while you're on your combine or thinning your tree stand and thinking about expanding your operation, think about Alabama Ag Credit. Like you, they're in it for the long haul. If you just need someone to look at the current rate on your line of credit to make sure you've got the best deal, think Alabama Ag Credit. 
If you're wanting to expand your operation, build a house, or buy that property you've been renting, give them a call or check them out online at alabamaagcredit.com. Some don't get it, but at Alabama Ag Credit, they do. Alabama Ag Credit is an equal housing lender. And now, back to our conversation. Welcome back, everyone. Now let's move into the Ag Law and Use segment of the Alabama AgCast. So I'll start with my disclaimer that I always give. The information presented in this podcast is strictly intended to be exclusively educational in nature. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal or professional advice. So now that we've addressed that, let's move on to today's topic, taxes. So Taylor, tell us about two of the newest tax implications for Alabama farmers. Yeah, so farmers already do not pay sales tax on farm products that they grow and sell if the farmer, their family, or employees engaged in farming sell that product. However, the new Sweet Grown Alabama Act extends this exemption to agricultural products to which the original producer adds value. Some examples would include things like jams, jellies, and boiled peanuts. This act rewards producer entrepreneurship by extending the tax exemption to products that they add value to while diversifying their operation and providing more options to the consumer. It is important to note that the exemption is restricted to homegrown operations by requiring the products to be produced, processed, and then sold by the farmer, his family, or someone employed by him who actively participates in the cultivation of that product. This act will also promote innovation and creativity on the part of Alabama farmers and will ease the burden on those that may not be aware of when sales tax applies. On the other hand, it also gives the consumer the benefit of locally grown and produced farm products and will stimulate local economies by expanding availability of such products. So the Sweet Grown Alabama Act will become effective on October 1st, 2022. It will be active for five years and will then sunset unless it's extended by the legislature. We hope to see it extended for sure. I think it's a it's a great one for our farmers. Yeah. So next we have the grain bin tax exemption. So previously the taxation of grain bins in Alabama was pretty inconsistent across counties. Certain counties would include grain bins in all of their component parts when computing the taxable value of property, while other counties use only the value paid for the structure itself and exclude the value of component parts. Yet other counties seem not to include the value of grain bins in the computation of property taxes at all. The grain bin tax exemption clarifies these inconsistencies across the counties by totally exempting grain bins and their component parts from the calculation of property taxes. Some examples of component parts include augers, motors, and fans, while grain bins are the structure designed and used exclusively for holding grain, which includes corn, wheat, oats, rye, soybeans, barley, grain sorghums, or other commodities that are commonly referred to as grain. Grain bins are pretty expensive and the component parts make them even more expensive. So adding them to the value of the real property can more than double the value of the property in some cases. Farmers' ability to store grain helps them stabilize their operation and become more economically efficient. Benefits the poultry industry by providing a year-round source of grain available to make feed and it stabilizes markets across the state, ensuring fair prices for both farmers and consumers. Speaking of property taxes, John Allen, don't we use a different system here in Alabama? That's right. Uh, We actually use a system that's known as differential assessment, which is just a fancy way of saying that the value of land is determined by a factor that is different from the standard market value. So our system here in Alabama is referred to as current use. 
So under the current use system, agricultural and forest land can be taxed at its production value instead of its market value. So this is especially helpful in suburban areas where cities are expanding outward towards farmland, where the cost of land tends to be extremely expensive. Uh, this allows family farms uh, to remain in production when they might otherwise face selling off some of the farmland just in order to pay the property taxes. So to assess uh, property under current use, uh, property owners just contact their county revenue offices and complete an application. Different counties may require uh, different levels of proof of agricultural production. So um, when you're applying, you need to be prepared to demonstrate a use of the land for a clear agricultural purpose. So just be able to demonstrate that, that farming is happening on the property. And once the application is completed, it doesn't have to be completed again unless the property changes hands. So uh, the new owner, if somebody purchases the land or if there's some kind of transfer, the new owner just needs to go and reapply for current use valuation. Differential assessment or current use is not a concept that's unique to Alabama. There are other states across the nation um, that use the same or similar systems uh, for their property taxes. Um, and the current use system helps to keep land in agricultural and forest production, um, which can actually have some positive environmental impacts, which I don't think is often um, examined. So Taylor, tell us about some taxes on items that aren't real property. Yeah, so Alabama law also exempts a variety of agricultural inputs from sales tax. Some of these items would include things such as feed, seed, and fertilizer when they're used for an agricultural purpose. But it is important to note that in order to be exempt, the items must be used solely for that agricultural purpose. Just because a farmer buys fertilizer does not mean it's exempt from the sales tax. The farmer must be using the fertilizer for an agricultural purpose, not for his or her own front lawn. Some things that would not fall within this definition of an agricultural purpose include lawns, shrubbery, and flower beds around residential and business properties, golf courses and baseball, football, or other sports fields, highway, railroad, or utility right-of-way, shade trees other than fruit or nut trees, house plants, and commercial pest control services. Also, while we were researching this topic, we have learned that certain reproductive technologies are also not included. So yeah, we thought that was interesting that um, although the sales of livestock, um, actual livestock are sales exempt, um, collected semen or collected eggs from livestock are not sales tax exempt, which I thought was interesting uh, to note. That was something I was not aware of before we were diving into this, um, this topic. So uh, retailers can require farmers to fill out a form uh, to keep on file with that retailer uh, to get that tax exemption. It's the form STEXA1. The Department of uh, Revenue uh, keeps that form on file and we'll provide a link to it in the show notes if you need it. Um, so on that form, the farmer just indicates that they are a bona fide farmer and the products they're purchasing are being used on the farm for an agricultural purpose. Once a farmer fills the form out, the retailer is able to keep it on file so the farmer can continue making uh, sales tax-free purchases on those exempted items. What about equipment like tractors and farm machinery? So farm machinery is taxed at 1.5% as opposed to the full uh, statewide tax rate, um, but local taxes may also be applied on top of that. Um, and items that are included in this rate are machines and equipment used in planting, cultivation, harvesting, or otherwise producing farm products. So think of your traditional items like tractors, plows, and spreaders, but the equipment could also extend to items like chainsaws um, if they're being used on the farm for a farm purpose. So as always, the information presented here is meant to be educational. If you have specific questions about your finances, taxes, or other matters, you should always contact a professional, whether it be an accountant or an attorney. We hope you've enjoyed this Ag Law and You segment of the AgCast. We hope it's been educational. This has been John Allen Nichols, Agricultural Counsel, and Taylor Johnston, Legal Intern from the External Affairs Department. And now, your weekly AgCast wrap-up. 
This is Jacob Davis, Executive Director of the Alabama Peanut Producers Association with this week's wrap-up. According to the June acreage report from USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, there are 190,000 acres of peanuts planted in Alabama, which is up almost 4% from the 183,000 acres planted last year. Time will tell if that estimate holds true. According to the report, the number of acres planted nationwide is down almost 3% to 1,543,000 acres, mainly due to acreage reductions in Georgia, Texas, and Florida this year. Alabama's peanut crop has experienced some dry spells this growing season, but according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, the southern half of Alabama, where a majority of our peanut acres are located, has adequate moisture. Of course, there'll be spots across the state that receive more rain than others, but as a whole, the crop is in good shape. Prayerfully, timely rains will continue to fall throughout the rest of the growing season, and our farmers will have a bumper crop this year, come time to harvest, to help offset some of the increased costs they're having to pay for inputs this year. The association staff has been working diligently to participate in events and conferences to fulfill our mission of coordinating peanut research, education, and promotional activities on behalf of the more than 900 peanut farm families in Alabama. Peanuts contribute more than $211 million to the state's economy annually. You can find more information on peanuts and where you can pick up our delicious and nutritious roasted, salted, honey-roasted, and butter toffee peanuts at alpeanuts.com. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast be sure to follow alabama farmers federation on facebook twitter and instagram tune in next week for another timely conversation from alabama agcast